Last week we heard the story of James in Malawi. He was working as a gardener in South Africa. Someone reached out to him. Someone discipled him. The word connect group and discipleship is basically an intentional space where you get to discover who God is, get to discover the purposes of God over your life, get to discover what the Word says about your identity, about your future. So that's discipleship and connect group. Um, and how James responded, and he just felt that God is sending him back to his own nation, to Malawi, and they started reaching out, started discipleship groups, started connect groups, and I think they've now got nine churches that they've been pioneering. Here's the story of Roshni, who was from Mauritius, a student in Cape Town, got reached as a student, got called into full-time campus ministry, um, and then again, the call of God to say, go back to your nation and go and plant a church. So that's what they're busy with in Mauritius. Isn't that awesome? All right, so we asked the question last week, what is stopping you? <laughs> what has God called you for? What is that thing that God has placed on your heart? Those of you who are students, quickly raise your hands. A little bit higher. Students of life, Anika, it's fine. Raise your hand. All right, you guys are getting your second baby. You'll be a student of motherhood. <laughs> But um, Roshni shared now just as herself, becoming um, born again, receiving Jesus as a student, and then reaching out to more students. And I want to challenge you students, you young people, what has God called you for? Um, and I hope during last week, tonight, and next week, that God is stirring something in your heart that is far, 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 far greater, far more beyond just getting your degree, getting your diploma, or finding a good job. All right, and then hopefully some of you young people will come back and challenge the ruach out of our, us older people, like all, other older people. I'm still under 35, so <laughs> I am. Um, but we're going to uh, start church a little bit um, backwards tonight. So we're going we're gonna to respond in song after the sermon a little bit later, and we'll have a panel discussion just now. But I want to just give us a little bit of an introduction. So we're in Missions Month, all right, and we're at the end of Reach Week. So last week Sunday, this week Sunday is our Reach Week, and this is our intentional space every year where we just overemphasize, because whenever you step into an Every Nation Church, nations should always be at the forefront, but this is almost where we overemphasize just the call to go to the nations. The name of the church is? <laughs> Every Nation, Yes. Um, and that's what God has called us for, every nation. And as part of Reach Week, we, if you go to the next slide, this is how we accomplish the mission of God. We pray together. All of us can pray. We give together. We give of our time, our resources, our talents towards the mission, accomplishing the mission of God. And then we go. Um, some people go full-time. Some people go across the road to their neighbor. But we're all called to pray, to give, and to go. So just a quick recap, if you missed last week, you can also go to Highfelder online, you'll see all the sermons and stuff you can find on there. But a quick recap from last week is that all of life is a response to who God is. Every area of your life, the way you spend your time, your, the way you handle your relationships, the way you spend your finances, every area of your life is a response to how you view God. So we spoke about this awesome God who has, has this incredible mission, this awesome mission towards each and every single one of us. So God is on a mission for you, all right? And if you've responded to this mission, then God is now on a mission to the world through you. If you've not yet responded to the mission, then God remains on mission for you. Um, and it's almost like when the guys pursue a girl, all right? And at first the girl doesn't respond and the guy keeps on pursuing and sometimes the girl finds it a bit irritating. Um, you might find God a bit irritating <laughs> because He will not stop pursuing you. And then once you respond, He starts to pursue the nations through your life. Um, we spoke about Matthew 28, if you go to that slide. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So at the end of Jesus' time on earth, this was this final commission to his disciples, go and make disciples of all the nations, and know that I am with you to the very end. So if you go to the previous slide, we find our lives in between these two lines, being a disciple, being fully loved by God, being fully accepted in relationship with God, but then called towards being a disciple, making disciples. And all of your life fits into those two lines. 
Um, there's nothing more significant, and I want you to really hear me tonight. There's no call more significant than making disciples. I don't care if you're Bill Gates or if you are um, Jeff Bezos and what's the other guy that went to space? What? Elon Musk. I don't care who you are. <laughs> There's no call more significant than making disciples because every other thing will end when you die. But making disciples transcends into eternity. There's something that happens when we commit our lives towards the mission of God and when we live our lives outside of those two parameters, being a disciple of Jesus Christ and following Jesus on mission to reach the nations, when we live our lives outside of those parameters, there will be a conflict in your soul because you were designed for that. Whenever you live something that is not in line with God's design over your life, there will be a conflict in your soul. So if you missed that, you can go to Highfield Online and then go and listen to that message again. Tonight, we're going to continue with the theme of going to the ends of the earth. But before we continue, I'm going to ask my three panelists to come and join me. So we've got three, well, four, including myself, glorious nations represented. So South Africa, Belgium, Croatia, and Kyrgyzstan. Can we just say hi to Kylan? All right, so um, before we continue just going into Scripture, um, we have the privilege of having people that either are living in a different nation, that have been sent recently to a different nation, and who've just come back from scouting a different nation. Um, so Carl and them were, were in Kyrgyzstan now for a while. Um, Robbie is back from Croatia, sorting out his visa. And you guys are visiting um, from Belgium. So... Maybe we'll start here with you, and just introduce yourself, tell us where you're from, um, and you can unclip the mic if it's easier. There we go. I think it Hello? Ah, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Hi, everyone. My name is Luana. Um, I am actually from South Africa, but I have been living in Belgium now for five years. Um, I, at the moment, study occupational therapy in Belgium, um, and I'm married to the other redhead except Ethan. <laughs> so, at the back. <laughs> so, yeah, your husband's here as well, but he's, he's from, he's a Belgian. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he's a Belgian. <laughs> so, he can speak, he can almost speak Afrikaans. Yes, we try. <laughs> <laughs> now, Robbie's really good, but he'll tell you now. now. Um, but you and your husband, you've recently um, launched your social responsibility initiative in the church. How's that going? Yeah, well, um, I think our pastor, Trevor, he has been very passionate about launching the social responsibility ministry in church. And he has for years been like wanting to start it, but he didn't, never had someone to lead it. Um, and I have always had a very big passion for social responsibility. I've been on quite a few missions here in South Africa. Um, and yeah, when he, in, he asked us a few weeks ago, I think, so it's still very new. Um, so we have now already been in contact with the church here to maybe do exchange missions where you guys send a team to there and we send a team to here. Um, so we are very, very excited for that. To not only to reach Belgium, but also to reach Europe um, would be very, very awesome. Come on, that's awesome. So apparently, soon-ish, um, Belgium's going to open up for us again, all right? So yes, those of you who've been to that. Belgium can go again. Those who missed out last year because of COVID, we can still go, all right? You should definitely come. Yeah, and then you guys can come here. Yeah. Um, so I've got two quick questions, and then we'll go around, and then I want us to just share some things that we can pray for. Um, the one thing I know, I think sometimes South Africans think that only um, we have had really strict lockdowns and stuff like that. Um, actuality, we've had a very easy lockdown if you compare it to some of the nations in Europe. But maybe just share how has COVID affected you guys as a church, maybe in your ministry, in your outreach? Well, it is actually such an amazing testimony from our church because... Um, about six months before COVID, we, the leaders of the church really got the urge to start investing in um, going online as well as um, being 
in person, having church in person. And that, the moment that lockdown hit, we were almost immediately able to switch to online services because we had, we had everything almost in place. So in that, we were super blessed. But yeah, I think for in our church, we have seen so many people who, I think the same as all over the world, who lost their jobs due to COVID, um, who, yeah, lost students like having a very, very hard time with, I served on the student ministry also for a long, for a while. And they really having a hard time coping with online classes and being completely isolated. Um, so I think for our church in general, it really, it gave us a, a different, a different almost ministry, a COVID ministry almost, where we had to, to very quickly improvise on how can we really support these people? How can we, I know we as well, my husband and I um, served as well on a, a team where we, uh, where we distributed food packages to some of the people who actually didn't have. And you would think, yeah, um, Europe, it's, there's a lot of money and the people don't struggle there. But really when COVID hit, that's when all of the people came to us and were like, you know what, we don't have money to make ends meet. Um, so in that, we then got a group of people together and we went and literally took boxes of food to houses, delivered them. and. Um, but it's also been so amazing just for me personally, um, when we had, had to go online, so I'm studying and I could, you know, throughout my studies, I've really invited people for some of the students to church and it's almost as if it was just too big of a step for them to come to church. But now I've actually, I could see students actually joining in online and still hearing the message of God. And it made that step a little bit, um, little bit less intimidating. And now that we are back online, I'm still praying that they will just at least come to the in-person service. So we're trusting God for that. That's awesome. Um, any one testimony that you maybe want to share with us? Yeah, well, I think if I have to think about how I grew up, I grew up very safe. Um, in the sense of there, I didn't have a lot of contact with non-Christians. I, um, if someone was, was struggling, I could say, you know what, let's pray together. And then all of a sudden I came to Belgium and no one is a Christian there. <laughs> so when you meet someone in the street, the chances are about 90% that that, that person doesn't believe. And when you start talking about your faith there, it's really, you get challenged intellectually in the sense of, okay, but can you prove to me like that Jesus did this? And can you like really, they're really intellectual, um, intellectual minded. And I remember at, at one point I had a, um, a friend of that, that I met in my Dutch classes and she yeah, she really didn't. She was a complete atheist. Um, and I started talking to her and inviting her to church, but she would never come. Um, but she would always find a reason for us to meet up or um, for us to, to get together. And at one point, um, we had a conversation and I could really hear that she was really hurt by the Catholic Church because in Belgium, there's a the main... Yeah, Christianity is there, but it's mostly Catholic. Um, and I remember having this conversation with her, and she asked me, like, very, yeah, now, do you really believe Jesus died for our sins on the cross? Now, in my South African mind, I was like, yeah, of course, like, thinking in my mind. But in, in that moment, I could really feel the Holy Spirit, like, almost literally putting his hand over my mouth. And... Um, I said, no, I believe he, he died on the cross to restore the relationship between us and him. And it didn't come from me, but in that moment, her whole face, everything changed. And she was like, that is so beautiful. And um, I could afterwards still 
talked to her quite a lot of times and invited her to church. Still couldn't get her to church, but we are <laughs> praying and still believing for that. But just things like that. We are really, as a church, um, we believe sh that our, our mission statement is sharing God with hearts and minds. Because in Belgium, that's really something you have to take into account. You have to in take into account the uh, intellectual, because we believe that God is both to be experienced and understood. He isn't just the one or the other. So, yeah, just, that's just a small testimony from my that's side. That's awesome. That's awesome. I enjoyed the Belgium mines. Uh, yeah, I really very, enjoyed it. Very challenging. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome, Luana. We'll get back to you now just with a prayer point. Like the ropes. Like So um, just tell us, obviously, why did they kick you out of Croatia? And then, um, oh, sorry, they don't yeah. know yet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, something they said about I make up too much stories about fake injuries. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like when I punched a plane and I broke my finger. Um, yeah. So they kicked anyway, me out. Anyway, um, so tell us for realsies. Um, so you're back now in South Africa yes. for basically just a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, sorting out your visas. What's the process like? What are you guys trusting for? Yeah, um, so we're back now. We were, uh, or I was in Croatia now for about 90 days. Um, and during that time, we, how Croatia works is you have to apply for your work permit in Croatia. Um, so it's not something that we could have done beforehand, all the applications, but we did get all of our paperwork ready before we went. And um, when we got there, it was great and it was sunny, you know, they just came out of, out, out of winter. Um, and then nobody told me Croatia gets hot. Yeah. I don't know where that went, but um, it felt like Durban plus some extreme heat. Um, <laughs> And um, we applied for our work permits, and then suddenly the whole of Europe goes into summer holiday. Um, and they call it Lietovati, to spend summer, ho summer holiday. And it feels like all of, all of Europe comes to Croatia, to that small little coast. And even the police officers and the lawyers and everybody who's supposed to work with our permits, they also take vacation. Um, so, so we were stuck a little bit, um, just caught in this, this massive heap of air um, because we are pushing to get our work permits by, uh, by the time that we're supposed to come back and we don't want to come back um, because if our work permits came through, we didn't, we didn't have to come back. So um, yeah, now, now we're here and um, making the most of it and just, just praying through it all. Um, and Hansi just found me outside. Um, he spoke to some lawyers again and then all that we got back is soon. <laughs> so um, there's no date to when I'm going back, but that hopefully it's before the end of September. Yeah. All right. So it's not just our home affairs. Like yeah, you get no. to the front and it's tea time. Our affairs is, yeah, you're going to wait. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Same with them. <laughs> All right. So uh, two questions, Rob. First one, um, you've been there now for 90 days. Yeah. Have you adapted like to life in a different nation, different culture, different language? Yeah. How's that been for you? Um, I think in the beginning it's quite frightening um, because um, we had to spend two weeks in isolation and we had this little stoopy, a veranda. Um, and in, in, if you stood in the one corner, we could see the road, like one of the big roads in Zagreb, the city where we're at. Um, and I could hear the, the, the robots or the traffic lights. They sound different over there. So when the light is green for the pedestrians to go over, it makes like this clicking sound. So we hear that, um, and like that little corner in that stoop is my site of Croatia for two weeks. So I can only see cars driving and people coming, and um, some of them look strange, some of them look Afrikaans. Um, so it's it's um, that was like my 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 outlook, my view um, of of Croatia for that time we were in isolation and. Um, I think during that time it was so cool just to hear how the Lord is preparing our hearts for being there. Because even though we can just see so little, the people that we are seeing, yes, I, I mean, I'm an outside guy and now I'm on a stoopy. Um, and, and all I can see is there. So I stood on that, that little corner for quite a while and then I see, yes, there's that, the short lady with blue hair. She walks here past twice a day. 
man, I'm going to pray for her. Um, so it, it was awesome just to see how the Lord is just in, right in the beginning. We haven't stepped a foot out of the, into the country yet, but the Lord is starting to mend our hearts more for them. Um, and, and after we went out of isolation, um, it was even more frightening because now I have to buy food and the people don't speak any English. So I, I know how to say hello and my name is Robbie. In English or in... It, no. <laughs> I'm still struggling with English, but <laughs> um, no, so, <laughs> uh, but in Croatia, and then they like, okay, but this is so much, and I'm like, I don't know numbers. What is numbers? So um, uh, we were just thrown into the depth, um, and uh, I ordered online food, and the the I sent it to John, but um, they're, they're like their pronunciations or translations is like super bad. So I order a pizza because then I don't have to like go and like use all of my brain power to summon one sentence in Croatian. Um, and I, the, the app on the phone translated the pizza flavor to orphan flavor. So uh, that's quite interesting. So there's, there's a lot of stuff that we have to navigate. Um, and, and, and that stuff, so, so we, we realized really, really soon that some of the stuff that we're going to Google Translate is not going to be carried over correctly to this person, and they're going to look at us strangely. Um, so that's something that we have to adapt to as well. And just with the food, um, like I knew I'm not going to get chutney or you get condensed milk or something and like cream that. Cream soda. There. Cream soda is not there. Simba chips is not there. Um, so... Um, just buying food as well. Um, we don't have a little fridge or a, a, a friskasi. So we had to adapt in the way we make food, like um, going every second day to the store. There's no buying in bulk, and then you bring a lot of stuff. You go every second day, you buy that thing that which is on special, and because that's what you can bekostig, um, afford. afford. <laughs> that's what you can afford. Um, yeah, and and that's what we bring home then. So there's a lot of small things that, that doesn't really, you don't think about it beforehand, but in, when you're there, it's just as like a lot of tweaks that you have to, your, to, to make to your daily living just to get by. Um, so it's been interesting, and we've been struggling, but we're getting there. And it's, yeah. it's, it's different, obviously. Um, I mean, many of you have been on a 10-day mission to a different culture, and we get to experience a little bit of it. But in the back of our minds, we know we're coming back. Like, mm. I know I'm coming back to my home and my bed and all of that. So for you now, with your mindset, it's like, okay, this is for real. And yeah. I'm, I'm staying here. Yeah. Um, what has been, or how has living in Zagreb challenged you to go deeper in your own walk with Christ? Like, how has a different culture, even different belief systems challenged you to go deeper with Jesus? Yeah. Um, I think, like Luana said as well, um, the Belgians are the, like... Um, Slim means, huh? Intelligent. Intelligent. They, <laughs> Intellectuals. They, they seek intelligence. Um, um, but the Croats as well. So, so they also, they like their historical chats. They like their, like, deep, intelligent speaking. And I feel most of those things, like, go right by here. So I try and read up just enough to have a small conversation. Um, but how it's challenged me just on my faith level is... Um, to really trust the Lord, like, even though I, um, I don't know their culture yet, I don't know their history as much as, like, I can't see the world as they do yet, um, but I'm trusting the Lord to really bring a, a tool almost to, to bridge that gap, to share with them intelligently um, that which they need to hear to sway their hearts to Jesus, to see, okay, that um, the, 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 the Catholic way that they've been in or the atheistic way that they've been in is not necessarily the truth. Um, so in, in my own relationship in, where I've been challenged is really to press into the Lord and just to, to say, yes, Lord, but I know that me and even the team, we can't reach this nation alone. Um, so it, it's broadened my perspective of family. It's broadened my perspective of community. Um, and I, th I think definitely it challenged my way of just evangelism. Um, because if you if you know me, um, like I like walking to the guy with the limp and praying for him. Um, if there's a guy with a cast on his arm, I would pray for him and we would rick that cast off so that he can move his arm. So that's that's the stuff that I like doing. 
But we realized quickly, like real quick, that in Croatia, that's not going to work. Because we're going to pray for this guy and he's going to get, maybe he's going to get healed, but then he's going to his own home and he's not going to answer my phone call ever again. So we realized, okay, the way we approach evangelism is going to have to be through friendship and through us loving that person first um, and walking a road with them through through spending time and time sacrificing my own, like, lot slop, my own sleep. That's the stuff that I'm going to have to, to, to throw away because we want to see people reached. Um, yeah, so, so there's been a lot of change just in how we uh, view evangelism as sulks. And what's exciting for me is to walk, um, like, Europe, classic Europe, old buildings you're surrounded with it, and there's such a rich history. Mm-hmm. And it, it excites me to think that 5, 10, 15 years from now, we're going to be walking there with a community of believers who all got reached, not by us, but by Croats reaching to other Croats. Yeah, so so that's, uh, it feels like the Lord is just doing something deeper um, in the whole team. Um, so we're really excited for what's going to happen. And... It's going to be challenging. Um, I, think, I think when the Lord said go, He never said that it's going to be easy, but He did say that it's going to be good. Mm. And that's what we're holding fast to. Come on. Come yeah. on. So you can pray for Jan later. He's got something in his ear. And then Donovan's got a, a back that is hurting. Where's Donovan? Uh, at the back. Yeah, at the back, yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, you can, you can pray when you're here. Um, yeah, so that's uh, good. Lekker. I love it. <laughs> and anyone else that's sick today? Robbie's your guy. <laughs> yeah, no. I think we should get the kids. The kids can help lay hands on them. Yeah. Um, so, Colin, we're really happy that you guys are back. Um, obviously, we were mourning with you guys, um, but really, really thankful that you guys are back. For, for those of you who don't know, Colin and Sinead were visiting Kyrgyzstan, um, and basically in preparation to go full-time. So um, they had to come back a little bit earlier, but um, maybe just, Colin, share a little bit on... Move with me. There we go. Um, what is it like being a Christian in a predominantly Muslim nation? Okay. Hello, everyone. I can greet you all at once. <laughs> um, it's really good for us to be back as well. Um, considering the circumstances, I guess in moments like this, you really understand. Firstly, spiritual family is important. And it's good to have family around you, whether it's spiritual or your blood family. And I've really seen that value in this time. But coming to that question, I think first thing you got to understand when you get into Kyrgyzstan and boggle around is the fact that it's not just a Muslim country. You're there with Chinese-looking, Russian-speaking Muslim people. So, like, it really, really doesn't make sense at all, right? So, it, like, it blows your mind. So, being in that country... Um, knowing that it's predominantly Muslim, and it's about 80 to 90% Muslim. Uh, people that, between people that practice Islam or people that are just nominal Muslims, so they don't really practice all the, the ritual side of it. But one thing that gets you is the fact that it's illegal for us to do anything of what we've mentioned now. Like going to someone and share the gospel, it's illegal. Um, you can be Christian in the nation, um, but you can only have a legal church if you have 250 members, uh, which kind of doesn't make sense because how can you have 250 members if you can't evangelize, right? So uh, the church that we have there is then not legal. And it was, um, it's kind of difficult to reach out to people. It's kind of difficult to be normal. If you're from South Africa and you understand that every person you meet, somehow you can fit God into that conversation. I had a bad day. Yes, but God can pull you through, you know. Uh, have you met Jesus? Uh, like Robbie just said, you know, someone's sick and they're walk, walking with a crutch somewhere. And you say, can I pray for you? We can't pray legally. So we got to try a different route. I think Robbie's also mentioned it. And it's something you have to learn that you got to build a friendship and really reflect the love of God. And it's something that the love where we, we say, and it can easily become a cliche that love is an action word. You really got to live that out. So that becomes um, like a change in your life. So it's a bit of a culture difference. It's a bit of things that you got to get used to. Um, it's not easy for the people that are there. It's not easy for the people that go to church because their whole family isn't Christian. For them, being Muslim is a part of their culture. So it's not that I am 
Kyrgyz and I believe in like Islam. It's I'm Kyrgyz, so I'm Islam, I'm Muslim. So it's something that where if they turn away from being Islam, they're turning away from their culture, essentially. And that's where the biggest persecution happens for them. Their family kicking them out and saying, we don't want anything to do with you. So for me, living there as a Christian, yes, there's small things that I have to change, I have to get used to. But for the people that live there, it's a bigger, bigger change that needs to happen. So, yeah. so you, you touched on it now. So obviously in South Africa, we are not super used to persecution. Yeah. Um, we think that when um, we're not allowed to gather for COVID's sake, we're being persecuted. Um, so it's obviously a little bit different there. So coming back, what has been maybe some of the things that has really inspired or challenged or what's the other word, encouraged you the most? Yeah, there's definitely a lot. So I'll try and pick on the ones that I can remember now because probably five minutes from now I'll remember something else, right? So if I tell you a different story later on, there's just so much. <laughs> but there is a lot to it. Um, if you look at the church that we have there, we obviously don't have 250 members because it's not legal. If not, it would be legal. So it's about 40 to 50 like committed people. But most of them come from like a Muslim background. And what inspires me, encourages me, and just, it even challenges me that many of them turned from Islam to Christianity, uh, even though their families didn't agree with it. Some of them, some of those students actually, who were hiding and coming to church on a Sunday. So they would tell their parents that we're going to my friend's house. And obviously it became frequent, and the parents eventually figured out, okay, why is it Sunday at this time that you're going every week? And they found out that their kids are going to church and they reprimanded them and gave them like ultimatums and they still went to church. And eventually their parents actually just gave up trying and said, oh, it's fine, just go. So that, that per, like perseverance really like challenged me and encouraged me because it's not, not, we give up easily, like I give up easily. Things like uh, even serving at church on a Sunday, it can easily get to a space where it becomes just a job. Um, oh, I have to be on band today. Oh, I have to be on power team. So the church is mainly made up of women. So woman empowerment, right? There's not many guys. Uh, we'll talk about that when it's a prayer point, right? But there's not many guys there. But what the women, the little women that are served there, they are the power team, they're the band, they're the translators, they're everything. And they do it all. Like if you go there on a Sunday, they've set the chairs, they've set the stage, stage they've set the sound and, and all of that. And some of them are serving in different like roles all on the same day, every week and week after week and still go to connect groups and still reach out to students. And they're happy to do it. Like they're so happy. They just want more and more. Anything for God that I can do, let me do it. Because they do it as if they're doing it unto God. And that like challenged me because I can easily become very um, complacent in the things that we do. So I was encouraged to see that, that these people, they, they love God and they want to do anything. And they, they even go to a space where they invite people to church. Some of the people that, that are in the church right now were invited to church when they were Muslim. And they converted while being at church. And I just said it's illegal to do that, right? So they didn't care. They didn't care what the consequence would be, but their friend is now saved sitting there with them. So those things, if it doesn't challenge me, there's something wrong with me. <laughs> Come on. So I just want to quickly see by show of hands, just from the ladies here, whom of you think that women can also do power team? Just keep your hand up. John, where's John? Just take note of all these ladies. <laughs> um, so friends, we're going to take a moment to pray. So remember, we've got this call to reach the nations, and we do that with, by doing three things. The first one is? Second? Third? All right. So we're going to pray. Um, so I want you in your mind to choose Belgium, Croatia, or Kyrgyzstan. If you made your choice. All right. Because you're going to commit to pray for this nation and this prayer point for the rest of the month. Okay. So make your choice. You have it. Locked in. Good. Um, and Kylan's going to share the prayer point. We don't have it on the screen, so you'll have to listen. Okay. Um, so, Kylan, what can we pray for? Okay, so like I mentioned, there's not many guys or men that are serving in the church or even part of the church. So it's really difficult to reach out to guys, and it's really difficult for them 
to consider even coming to church or committing to something like discipleship. Um, so we're really trusting God in that place for local leaders to rise up, local men to rise up, and to reach out to the locals. Because um, the team that's there is majority Filipino, and that's basically 90% of the guys that they have is Filipino guys. So they are trusting God that local people can rise up, and specifically men. If they can rise up in this time, and if we can see more men rising up, we really believe that there will be uh, not just more men coming into the place, but more reaching out, more evangelism, more uh, people being reached for, for the gospel. So just pray that we can get more of that. And obviously, the part of that will be boldness. Pray for boldness for all of the people that, that do believe, that they won't be afraid, and that they will know that God is with them, no matter what the cost would be. So. All right, yeah. so boldness for locals to be reached, and specifically men. Okay, Robs. Yeah, I think um, a big struggle for us at the moment is the language, um, because it's not like Afrikaans, English, or Flemish, where sometimes you look at, at the words, and you can sort of recognize them. Um, it's a whole new vocabulary that we have to learn on, and my name can change in seven ways. Um, so, so there's a lot of stuff that we need to learn on and structures that are just confusing. Um, so I think for the whole team, a big thing is now to learn the language because um, we're never going to be able to truly reach a person's heart if we're not going to be able to speak their heart language. Um, so that is our main priority at the moment is um, to get the, ma the, the language fluently um, so that we can share with people in the language that they're going to understand and that's truly going to, to open their hearts more. Um, and I think the second thing is, is just for our work permits um, so that we can go back in time um, and not be set back because um, some of the team that, um, two team members that are from George, they literally landed back today from Croatia as well. Um, because their work permits did not come through in time as well. So um, that's four of us being outside of the country now. That's part of the team. So Auntie and his family is alone now again. Um, so we're really trusting for, for work permits um, and for the language so that we can reach the people with their, with their heart language. Okay, awesome. Mm. Language, work permits. Perfect. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Um, so for us, I think a very practical one is a new, bigger building um, to come together in on a Sunday. Um, we are very blessed and we really honor God for the growth that we have seen in our church. But with that and with the COVID restrictions really comes the need for a, a bigger building to have Sunday services in. Um, so that is one prayer point. Another one is we are really, um, we feel this very big urge and call from God that we need to expand or, and plant churches in the whole Benelux. Now the Benelux is Belgium, Netherlands, and Luxembourg. So we are really trusting God to open up doors so we are able to go and plant churches there. And then the last prayer point is, um, you know, when I first came to Belgium, I was very shocked at how closed people are there and how scared they are to interact with someone new. Or they really think that you are very strange if you go to the cashiers at a shop and say, hello, how are you? Like we do in South Africa. Um, so we really just pray for open hearts and people to, yeah, to, to get into a safe space where they can open up um, and to, for, really, for God to really make encounters for us to encounter these people who are searching and who are longing um, because there's a lot of them. And yeah, the saddest part is, is they don't know that they're lost. Um, so we're really, really um, trusting God for more salvations um, and just the open heart, um, the open hearts of people. So just recap quickly. Um, so the first thing is the, a bigger building. Second thing is to plant churches in um, both Belgium, the Netherlands, and Benelux. And the third thing, just for open hearts of the Belgians um, in general. Cool. All right. So you've got Belgium, 
language, visas, men, boldness. Well, locals, men, boldness. All right, so turn two, two to one another, um, and let's take a moment, let's pray. Let's respond to the call of God, and let's pray together. Father, thank you that we can just bring these three nations to you, Lord, Belgium, Croatia, and Kyrgyzstan, Lord, and we just bring these prayer requests to you as well. Um, and we want to come and ask, Lord, as a church, that you'll stir us on to keep on praying. Where we've chosen a nation to pray for, Lord, would you come and stir us on to keep on praying um, throughout the rest of the month? Um, and we, we thank you, Lord, that these prayers are received in heaven and that you act upon them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, I want to... I wanna, share just quickly again something that we spoke about last week, and then I've got one portion of Scripture that I want to share with us, and then we're going to respond in song. But this whole mission statement, if you go to the mission statement, it says, we exist to honor God. So that's our mission statement as every nation global. In, in all of the every nations across the world, that's our mission statement. That's the call of God. We exist to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, Spirit-empowered, and socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. What is highlighted on the board or bold on the board? We. So it's something we get to do together. Now, I quickly want to run you just through the slides. Next one. So these are the places in South Africa that we're trusting for. So currently we've got a church in Bloom, in Mbombela. We are um, busy with Tanin and Groblesdal. And then we're trusting God for Venda, Emalachleni, and Bethlehem. All right? Not the one in Israel, but the one somewhere here in Freistadt. Next slide. Um, we've got a church in Maputo and Kampala. So we heard a little bit from them last Sunday. And then we are trusting God to plant a church in Rwanda. And then in Europe, we've got a church in Utrecht and in Zagreb. We've got a church in Belgium as well, in Ghent. Um, these are churches that, that have been or are being planted from the Tuane church. Okay. Um, and then we are trusting God to go to Ireland, and you don't need a visa. You can go for um, a mission without a visa, and then Portugal. Um, so that's exciting. I think Willem and his wife, who are going to lead the church to Ireland, are actually going there in the next couple of weeks just to go and scout and see what God is preparing for them. Um, so this is what's on our short term. Like you'll see there, four established churches and, and or campus ministries by 2030 for Europe. So we're trusting God for this nation East Africa, because that's part of our mandate, and then Europe and wherever else God sends us. If you go to the next slide, so these are just some church plant realities. It costs between 50 to 90,000 rand per month to have a church planter on the ground, depending on the size of the family and obviously the nation. Permits, visas, relocation costs usually are between 30 to 90,000 rand. And then there are some cultural, um, like some realities or challenges, cultural differences, language barriers. You're away from familiarities. Um, and raising partners um, to be on financial support is difficult in a different nation because they, they most often don't understand the concept. Um, you're not necessarily going to go into Kyrgyzstan and ask the Muslims to financially partner with you so that you can tell them about Jesus. Um, Carlin, if you're able to do that... Um, that's the challenge that we put before you. <laughs> Next one. So these are just our church planters um, that we've got in the nations. You'll also be able to go there at the back and have a great look at them. Next slide. Um, and this is where I want to create an opportunity again tonight for those of you who maybe missed out last week. So collectively as a church, and so not just high felt, but as a we are a like a collection of churches, we are trusting God that we'll be able to sow 1.7 million rand per year into the nations. Um, and that is to enable church planters to be on the ground full-time, but also to break open new ground. Remember, we're trusting God for? What's the name of the church? Every nation. We're trusting God for every nation. Um, so currently we have about 1.4 million being sowed into the nations. We're trusting that we'll have about 310 people or families um, partnering with us for the sake of the nations. Next slide. Um, your reach giving is not your normal tithe or offering. This is an, an extension or something extra that you're trusting God to say, God, I want my life to be invested in this. And most often this is something that you've got to go and rework your budget around, um, something that you've got to go and sacrifice, like that extra pizza the, in the month or whatever it might be. 
um, for you to be able to say, okay, yes, God, I'm going to sow into this as well. Last, well, second last slide, I think. So this is now for us as a Highfelt church. Um, we currently have an average of seven partners. I know there were a couple of new ones last week, and we're trusting to grow from seven to 15. Can we do that? Everyone says? Come on. All right. Um, so, and then the next slide, you can scan the QR code, but if this is something that is stirring in your heart to say, God, I want to be part of what you're doing in the nations. Yes, we're working locally, but it's always both and. We're trusting God to transform here, but at the same time also trusting God to transform there. And if this is something that's stirring in your heart to say, God, I want to be part of this, um, our hosts would like to hand out a form to you um, that you can complete um, yeah, during the course of the service or just at the end of the service and hand it back again to the, at the info table. So if you're here and you maybe missed out last week, but you say, listen, I may be considering this or I'd like to get more information or maybe sit on this a bit, would you raise your hand? Thank you, there's one. Just keep it up until one of our, the hosts give you, gets a form into your hand. All right. Now, if during the course of today or the rest of the month, um, God does speak to you or you feel challenged to step out into this as well, you can always get these forms at the info table or come and speak to any one of us. We'd love to get you plugged into being a reach partner that enables us to really go to the nations. Um, it's an incredible privilege to partner with God in seeing the nations reached. Now, I want to read one portion of Scripture and then the band's going to come up and I'm going to... I'm going to try and go through this as quickly as I can without, um, without not doing justice to the text. But I'm going to pray before we read. And you can open your Bibles in Matthew 24. Matthew 24. So while you page or browse there on your phone, I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, I want to come and surrender the text to you right now. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll come and speak to us individually and collectively. Would you come and minister your word into our hearts, Lord? Would you come and stir your word in our hearts? I thank you, Lord, that, that you are real. You're true. Jesus, you are real. You rose from the, from the grave. You are alive. You are seated in heaven. You are ruling over the nations, and your words are true. And I thank you, Lord, that as we get into your words tonight, that those words will ring true in our hearts, and it will cause hope to arise in our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so Matthew 24. Um, one of the, the, the popular themes today is, is this, are these the end times? Like, are we in the end times? And, and should we stock up and have like a, what do you call it, like a storehouse where you store all of your canned food and stuff like that? Like, are these the end times? And this was basically the setting here as well, where Jesus was telling them about stuff that will happen. And then they ask him, okay, so when will all of these things take place? And I'm going to read from verse 3, and you can follow either in your Bible or on the board. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all of these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, or diseases, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will rise up and deceive many, oh, sorry, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. I want to build up towards that end, that promise that Jesus gives us right at the end. But I want to run through just some key aspects of the text. The first one is, take heed that no one deceives you. 
Now, we spoke about this in our previous sermon series on the Word of God, and some will be deceived, but some will deceive themselves. So a key element for you not to be deceived is to get into your Bible, to read your Bible, to know your Bible, because people will come to bring words or messages that are contrary to the truth of Scripture, and if you don't know your Word, you will be deceived. But then James writes and says, do not be hearers of the Word only, but actually do what it says, otherwise you deceive yourselves. So some will be deceived, some will deceive themselves. Jesus then says, see that you are not troubled. I love this. Yes, you are in the midst of maybe some difficult things, and I'm telling you of difficult things that will happen, but don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. All throughout Jesus' teachings or time with his disciples, he would remind them again that I am with you, that my peace I leave with you, my joy will be complete in you. Do not be troubled. Verse 3, um, well, I can't remember what verse it is. Next one in the Bible. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. That is a really, really, really nice promise. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you see, friends, we're seeing some of this in the world, in Afghanistan, in North Korea, in, um, in China, some of the stuff that Kylan spoke about now. There's some real persecution taking place, and people being persecuted and also killed for the sake of the gospel. But even here where we live in South Africa, we can fall into the trap of a comfort theology, an easy gospel, um, that whole idea of having your best life now. And the goal of life is to have an easy retirement with an easy life. Um, and the problem with that mindset is it's in conflict with the Scripture. It's in conflict with what the Bible teaches us. When we think about just saving up enough so that you can retire well and have an easy life and maybe go and play golf every day, it's in conflict to what the Scripture teaches us. The problem with an easy Christianity is that it's not real. It has no power. And therefore, it cannot change your life. And it will also not be able to have any effect in the world that you live in. And friends, that is a very disappointing Christianity. And you'll find yourself in a space where your version of Christianity also disappoints you, and you might even find yourself walking away from it. Because if the gospel has no power to change you, why would you give your life to it? If the gospel has no power to change the things that are broken in our society today, what's the point of it? But the good news is that that kind of gospel is not real. There is a real gospel. But then also that kind of Christianity will not last to the end. Because difficult times will come. And those who hold on to an easy Christianity, will see it goes on and it says, many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. See, Jesus gave this command and he says, by this the world will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. But when we hold on to a comfort theology or an easy Christianity, when things get tough, we'll start to walk away from the very thing that is most precious to Jesus, our love for one another. Many will be offended by true Christianity. When you maybe speak to a friend or you hear someone preaching the truth, you'll be offended because it's no longer in line with your idea of Christianity. Many will seek out preachers and friendship groups that agree with their comfort theology. You'll find enough people to agree with the very thing that you want to believe in. And then because you've got enough people around you, it makes it true. Then Jesus says, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Lawlessness. You see, we live in, in a, two different kingdoms. The one is the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of peace. The kingdom of darkness is a kingdom of disorder, a kingdom of lawlessness. And in this kingdom, there's a culture of lawlessness. And for us as Christians, and remember, Jesus is speaking here to his disciples. The danger for Christians is that we can be, become so consumed in a culture of lawlessness that we become numb to it. And then when we become numb to it, we be allow the culture to start to shape us. And we start to participate in a culture of lawlessness. Small things like obeying traffic laws. <laughs> Jesus says our love will grow cold. Some, some people's love will grow cold. And in this we see where in, in, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, where's this definition of love that's preached at weddings so often. But the opposite will take place. We'll be quick to take offense. We'll be quick to judge. We'll be quick to have an anger outburst. We'll be slow to forgive, slow to show compassion and mercy, and we'll seek our own way first. Our love will grow cold, and it starts with our love for God that starts to grow tired. 
it starts to become lukewarm, and then lawlessness will abound. And I, and I want to give you this caution as the church, as we see a lot of what Jesus spoke about in the Scripture happening right around us, that many, many will find their love for God growing cold. And the effect of this is that you'll, you'll, grow, you'll fall victim to some of the vices in this world. There are some strongholds in your culture where you live that, that you'll fall victim to when your love for God, your passion for God, your zeal for God grows cold. In our relationships, we start to compromise on our purity. We start to hold on to unforgiveness. We fall trapped to the love for money. The love for people's attention and approval. Something that is a huge vice in South Africa is alcohol. And we start to deviate just slightly on um, stepping away from really honoring God with every aspect of our lives. And we start to make small compromises. And the problem with the small compromises, you have enough people around you that gives you the stamp of approval and say, no, that's fine. I mean, you're not getting drunk driving and driving over someone, so you're still okay. But all of those small compromises starts to establish you in a different culture that is contrary to the kingdom of God. But then Jesus makes this promise and he says, He who endures to the end shall be saved. He who endures to the end shall be saved. There's a promise of endurance available to the believer. And then the last part, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. I'm going to ask the band that you guys can come up so long, and I'll move out of your way just now. Now, all of the things that Jesus spoke about, you see, when, when we hear about the end times, you can find yourself where fear grips your heart, and you're thinking, Man, that, that book or that movie left behind and then the earth is going to open up and we're just going to be driving. The next moment you're going to fall into a hole. And, and maybe that's your idea of the end times where fire and brimstone is going to come down from heaven and, um, and it's like lava everywhere. But when Jesus says the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the nations, then the end will come. He's not speaking about the end where the earth will swallow you up. He's speaking about the return of Jesus Christ where Jesus will return and He will rule and reign over the nations. And He will establish a new earth and a new heaven. And when we hear that message, when we hear this message that Jesus is coming back, that that is a truth, He makes two promises. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached. And then the end will come. Jesus will come back. And when you're a believer, that fact should stir an immense hope in your heart because there is a deliverance, a final deliverance from everything that is broken where Jesus restores us and reestablishes us in His perfect kingdom. And friends, when we understand that, when we understand that there is a message that needs to be preached, when this gospel of the kingdom, not a, a cheap gospel, not an easy gospel, not a gospel that promises you something that is that is so vain and so caught up in the things of this world, but a true gospel. When this gospel is preached to the ends of the earth, then the end will come. Then the end will come. And when we understand that evangelism and world missions should be at the forefront of every Christian's agenda, whether you're a student, whether you're a mother, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a teacher, World missions and evangelism should be at the forefront of your life's agenda to say, God, how can my life be positioned to impact the people that are around me for the sake of the gospel? It should be at the forefront of our lives where we pour out our lives before Jesus and say, God, how can you use me for the sake of the nations? So I've got two questions and then we'll allow God to speak to you. The first one is, are you still allowing the gospel of the kingdom to be preached to you? Are you still allowing the gospel of the kingdom to be preached to you? Not a comfort theology. Not an easy Christianity. Not a false promise Christianity where you're going through a tough time and we're just saying, no, don't worry, just give it to Jesus and everything will be better. We don't always know if everything will be better. You see, you don't surrender your life to Jesus because of the fact that your, your life might be in a bad state. Oh, Benji. There's nothing like a mother's love. I say, Benji. 
Friends, you don't turn to Jesus when you've had a bad breakup and you need someone to comfort you. You turn to Jesus because He's the truth. You turn to Jesus because He's the truth. He says that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and apart from me, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. We turn to Jesus because He is the truth. So are you still allowing the gospel of the kingdom to be preached to you? And then secondly, how are you responding to the gospel that sends you? All of us are called to go. Jesus says, therefore, go. <laughs> and this is not a call for an elect few. Not everyone will go to the nations, to a different nation, but all of us are called to go. So I want you to stand with me, and we're going to respond with a song. And while we respond with the song, I'm going to pray a simple prayer and ask that God will speak to us, that He will stir in our hearts this call to go, that God will lead you into where He wants you to go, whether it is your neighbor, your friend, your family member. Maybe God is calling some of you to go to the nations that God will come and speak to you right now. So Father, we come and we ask for that. Would you speak to us right now? Friends, God will never force you against your will. So I want to ask you, if you're at a space where you're ready to allow Jesus to direct the next steps of your life, it's scary, I know. But if you're at a space where you're saying, Jesus, I want you to direct my life, would you just Raise your hands as a sign of surrender. Holy Spirit, we ask that you'll come and speak to us now. Come and stir in our hearts your mission. Come and stir in our hearts, Lord, your mission.